Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the BME Grad Podcast. I'm Grace. And I'm Allie. And this episode is a continuation of our last episode where we interviewed Heidi Scott Justo. So in case you missed your intro from last episode, Heidi is the owner and founder of Career Path Writing Solutions, a business coaching, consulting, writing, and editorial service for job seekers. She is also a frequent guest on podcast episodes, which you can find on her website, careerpathwritingsolutions.com. This website also includes a robust blog with tons of tips and tricks for resume editing. Heidi has multiple certifications for interview coaching, resume writing, and empowerment coaching. She often hosts work workshops and works with university programs and leadership programs. In this second half of the interview, Heidi will talk about keywords and language and resumes, file formats, and applicant tracking systems. So please enjoy part two. Okay, so I want to take all the tips you gave us in the first half of this interview and apply them to different job applications. How, what's a good way to adapt your resumes to different audiences, um, like technical versus commercial roles, um, without doing the keywords and, and word vomiting on that? Yeah, so good question. Keywords is still a consideration. Sure. So mm-hmm. always making sure, um, and how do you, can't, I mean, frankly, you can't be guaranteed that this is a keyword. We're all, we're only using, we're using critical thinking of looking at the job description, what seems to be the most important aspects of this job, unless you actually know the person who keyed in the key words in the ATS, you can't be a hundred percent sure what they're going to be looking for, but You can use critical thinking skills to analyze the job description, making sure, am I using these terms that they're using? Am I talking in the same type of language? You know, am I trying to to be relatable that way? So switching out keywords, reordering, you know, if you have a skills section and you have maybe technical skills, non-technical skills, um, and skill, like you can categorize the skills any way you want, but even just ordering things is the most important skill that is listed number one as required skills. The sixth skill in your list, put it earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, So beyond that type of stuff, um, and just at every level saying, if they say, if it says must have project management skills, and you haven't said anything about project management, how do you figure out, how do I explain that this research project I did, how do I, I just viewed it as research, how can I make a statement about this that shows this was actually something I managed from conception through completion? So making sure you're speaking about the things they're, they're wanting, that sounds very basic, but it really, that's the name of the game sometimes roles that are strictly technical or they appear to be strictly technical individual contributor, then you do emphasize more of the technical skills you have. I still encourage people to show the interpersonal, the soft skills, because you're never working completely in isolation. But if you're looking at maybe you're a few years out, maybe you're a in like you two are, and you're looking for the first management role or taking a step toward management, then I'm really wanting to see 
how have you mentored people or, you know, the thinking of what people call the soft skills? How do I manage people? Have I managed a budget? Um, how do I lead projects? How do I lead people? So it's more of the, you know, an, a nice way of thinking about it is, is this an individual contributor role versus a leadership role? If it's an individual contributor role, I'm thinking mostly about technical strengths, um, ability to manage my own work and being a good team player. If it's some capacity of leadership that is, I want to talk about then seeing how have you mentored people? How have you managed people in the past? And how have you led things? And that could be pulling on extracurricular organizations that you've been a, a part of or something. But don't write interpersonal skills. I would agree. <laughs> Something to show you that you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> Explaining that. Don't write it. <laughs> oh, that's a good clarification, Allie. Yes, Thanks for I've that. seen <laughs> it. I've seen it. So how would you adapt to, I work within a group of small companies. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we really, at our level, use like software to sift through resumes, like maybe a larger company would. Mm -hmm. Are there ways you adapt between different company sizes as well? Frankly, and not so much because generally speaking, most of my clients, most people aren't saying I'm only applying to companies that won't use tracking software mm -hmm. because you have to assume that the resume you're writing will go through a software system and whether it's keywords for software or keywords for a person, you don't, the burden is on you the applicant to communicate that you're a good fit. And the first step of that, or a first step, you know, is using language they understand. So if you're, um, so you need to look how, what type of, what language are they using on their website in the job descriptions, you know, that you're looking at? Are they, you know, a perfect example of this is I work with a lot of academics and they maybe they have all this teaching experience. And if you say teach, 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 but you mm -hmm. apply for a corporation that's um, that the language they're using is train. If, if you're saying teach and they, everything, their whole corporate language is about training and development, you're inherently, you're, you're not helping to build rapport in common understanding of what they need and you can offer if you're not even taking the time to say, you know, you can, I'm not saying you can't use teach at all, but please try to get train in there. <laughs> yeah. Train or like lead or, you know, I exactly taught a workshop versus I led a workshop. Yes. Difference. Exactly. I love the way you think about this. I've, I've really never thought about it in this way. That's a really great point. I mean, I think like common language, we think that those can be like synonyms, but they definitely have different connotations. And that is, that's interesting because it's like the bias when people read this is what is that, like, what is that connotation for those words actually mean? What can we extrapolate out from that? I think that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. You're, I mean, Good you stuff. always, yeah, you want to communicate <laughs> from the reader's perspective in this just it means that you have to do your homework 
and learn as much as you can about the company, about the, like, if you're applying for your first industry role, how, what language do they use? Do they, and just things, are they using terms like professional development or is it leadership development? I mean, those are common terms, but I see, you know, I Mm -hmm. see professional development all the time in higher ed, but you see a whole lot of leadership development in corporate. You see some professional development too, but just those, those distinctions, those little things matter. Totally. I would, uh, so going on this, I have both myself and then also as I've advised to other students, I, my kind of go-to is, you know, look at the job description and then pick out the keywords from those job descriptions and incorporate that into your resume, mimic the language that they're using to match. Um, Obviously, like you're not going to always hit every single keyword Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe you'll identify a keyword wrong or whatever. Um, Is that how you typically advise or is there a different method that you, that you use when you are advising these people uh, editing their resumes? So, no, I, I mean, that's a good practice of what you're you're doing. When I'm working with somebody, one of the first things I want to, that I'll ask um, something, you know, we try to identify what are the things that probably every role you're applying to is going to have, because that helps if you get the resume set up in a way that it's 90% there for the jobs that you're applying for. It's a lot easier to get it up to that point where you feel really great about it for these this particular job right but if you're just if you're not thinking first going back to strategic marketing document you know what is it that what are the key things I want somebody to know about me and if you've identified three key things whether that's the discipline you're in coupled with the industry paired with the actual job function right you know, I don't know, civil, I know you're not in civil engineering, but like civil engineer with the experience in residential and commercial construction, mm-hmm. managing projects valued up to $300 million. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're, we have function, project management, area, the industry, you know, residential, commercial, and kind of the identity of the person based on their background, civil engineer. So if you start out knowing that, I think there's going to be less tailoring down the road, but you're right. I mean, what I do is I encourage people to use two colors, grab highlighters, pens, print out the job description, old school, highlight all like in one color, what are the the things they want you to know. So this is the knowledge domains. This is the biomedical engineering or mechanical engineering or whatever it may be. Then what do they want you to do? Those are your verbs. Lead, manage, contribute, coordinate, design. Underline those because that's gonna that's where you're gonna pick up like oh I I said talk about everything in terms of train or teaching they're saying train hmm I better s- switch out my verbs a little bit never misrepresenting just if something if you could make a swap and it means the same thing then make the swap <laughs> right yeah 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 don't yeah. lie on your resume like those never. two things are equivalent and <laughs> you you can make that switch and it's still it's still truthful. Yes. 
While we're talking about looking at job descriptions, I read a study or I've read a couple studies, I guess, over the past couple of years, the different groups of people, um, you know, different cuts um, mm -hmm. will apply to job. Like, okay, so some groups of people will apply to jobs if they have 50% of what's required. Some other groups, um, I don't know how they split it by like gender, nationality, whatever, um, will apply if they have 20% of what's required. As soon as you were mentioning that, I thought of the confidence gap. Um, mm. If anybody's interested in that, it's it turned into a book, the, I think the confidence code, but the, the article, if you Google confidence gap, the Atlantic, because the online publication, the Atlantic, there's an article from, I think, 2014. Mm -hmm. And it's that in there, they say, they think it's women will apply for promotion if they meet 100% of the qualifications. Men will apply if they meet 50%. Now, the advice I was given for applying to a role way back when I was at Duke and still figuring out, what do I want to do? Do I want to do the business route? Mm -hmm. Was if you meet 60 to 70%. And that is something I tend to agree with. The, with the little asterisk though, mm -hmm. look at what they ask for in the required section. If the number one required thing is 10 years of progressive <laughs> leadership roles in a whatever company type, and you are a new grad, arguably with maybe one year of experience, not in leadership, then I think it comes down to, is this really a good use of your time? Mm -hmm. So look at what is required. I mean, if, if you're like, I have all of this, except the top four things that say are required, but I have the preferred, meaning the preferred list, because sometimes job descriptions will have required and then preferred, you know, be realistic. There's, it's good to have some stretch roles, some stretch applications in there, but if they're requiring, if, if we're talking completely, you know, we're not even on the, in the same, we're not on the same page or in the book, we're in like different libraries, mm -hmm. then I'm questioning whether that's a good use of your time. Yeah. Great point. Okay. So I want to, I want to go back to resumes. Yep. Um, what you, you said, you've coached a lot of engineers, STEM grads. Um, mm -hmm. what are some common failures you see recurring for that group of people on resumes? Yeah. So I don't know if I'd say failures, I would say poor strategy. Okay. So, right. okay. <laughs> Being nice here. Most I'm, people... I'm very critical of myself. So I use the word failures. <laughs> so I, I feel like maybe at this point, I may sound like a broken record because we've been talking about this kind of dancing around it, mm -hmm. but not including anything other than the technical skills. Right. You know, it's engineering is a very technical skill heavy field, but you are going to be a much stronger candidate if you're able to show more than that, you know, leadership potential, project management, teamwork, collaboration, you know, and quantifying, not just saying completed research projects or class projects. How many projects? What were they on? 
did and, and you know again that accomplishment results oriented mm-hmm. type of stuff what were they on how did you do this led project team by holding regular meetings um this is wordy but like collaborating to assign tasks or like assigning tasks you don't want to sound like a dictator but Mm -hmm. I think you know what I mean you know explaining how did you lead this project team what was the ultimate result you know are you the only team to accomplish all of the objectives I think it's also like stop speaking like a scientist with like needing absolutes and certainty and roundabout ways of getting there like report with confidence, you know, it's okay to make some assumptions for sake of not including, you know, four decimal places. I don't know if you you get where I'm going, (laughs) but like, um, yeah. And I think there, not, I think, um, there's a, there's a growing trend, an emerging trend. I've been doing this for a long time, but I'm not afraid to use a little bit of I, or a personal pronoun. If you have a profile Mm, statement, Mm. um, a profile statement, not just leading with education, but a brief statement of like one or two lines even, and then, or however you want to do it. That's like your main claim. Everything else follows. Right. It's okay to let a person know there's actually a human behind all of this. And sometimes it's much easier to say, my team was the only team to complete the project than some roundabout way of saying it that then is still not very clear. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. Just to clarify, I do not mean start every single description with I. Right. Please don't, (laughs) please don't. No, I find it to be very dated when I read things that are all written um, in that like passive, don't use first, what's it called? First First person. Thank you. (laughs) I only know math. Um, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in prep for this, I went on Canva and found that they actually had a bunch of great, like colorful resume templates. What are your thoughts on using these kinds of templates for resumes? Yeah. So, so a couple things, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, mm-hmm. but Canva is probably not your best friend when it comes to resumes. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, that? is it, I mean, and I use Canva to design LinkedIn, mm-hmm. the, the background banners. I mean, what's the file format? You're not downloading a word document, are you? It's not a word template, is it? I was told to always publish as a PDF because it's 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 better for all the different formats of what you're going to get is that even if you write up your resume in an MS Word doc, still publish it as a PDF just because you don't know how that format's going to look on someone else's computer. Yeah. This is funny because I didn't click export yet, so I have no idea what file types it gives oh, me as I, options. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. We should look up. Yeah. I was just kind of doing a, a rough layout. Um, yeah. Okay. So there's point. a lot to bring up. There's a lot to discuss here. So, All right. okay. So ready. My yeah. pencil's ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take profuse notes. There are over 200 different types of applicant tracking systems. Mm. So I am not claiming expertise over 
any one of them. But what I can say is I try to stay on top of trends. And the, the word versus PDF is always a good discussion. Um, I still, so I recommend clients use Word unless the application explicitly states PDFs are okay. If it does not say, up, you know, submit a Word or PDF document, the more conservative route is to do a Word document, even if that means on your version, it looks like it's one page and when they open it on their version, it's an older version of Word and it's one page and two lines, you're at least guaranteeing that it's gonna get read because some tracking systems still cannot process PDFs. I have to unlearn this because I like, as soon as you said that was like viscerally opposed to sending See? somebody a Word doc, I'm like, I only want PDFs well, ever. And, but I didn't really think about, um, you know, the software aspect. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, this is for an informational interview or, you know, someone is actually clicking open, like download and open, mm -hmm. go for the PDF. That's fine. But if you're going into just submit and it doesn't say the more conservative route is word recruiters that I'm in contact with as of recently, cause I check, <laughs> they still prefer word. Okay. Good to know. It's a wow. sample size, but it's, it's still a preference among the ones that I'm in contact with. Um, another thing, okay. You have your PDF, you might have your, um, resume and it looks just so beautiful, you know, and it's two columns. Well, a lot of tracking systems, it, and you don't, we don't know. Some will read column, the first column, and then they proceed to, and then they read the second one, right? When they're processing that. Some would read education experience, North Carolina State University, engineer one, name of company, date, bachelor's of science, biomedical engineering, manage a small, if what I'm doing here is right, I'm reading linear, linearly left to right across the document. And that is how it could get parsed mm. into the tracking system. Right. So two column resumes are great for networking, if you want, there's still a perception that you can fit more in two column resumes. And that's, not, I, I don't find that to be true. I mean, whether it's a one column or two column. So I'm just saying, depending on the format and the actual design, it can, it's, that could be a problem for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to, I, I'm like, I'm like silencing the host no, I'm right shocked. Now. I'm shocked. No, this is good information. Mm -hmm. I was totally under the perception that it was PDF or die. Yeah. No, not no you know, and I mean, on my blog, so my website's careerpathwritingsolutions.com. I have a lot of articles. You'd have to click back a few tabs, mm -hmm. but there's one about, you know, what's an ATS, you know, why you should know. And um, there's some things in there that might be helpful. And, and for color, I, I mean, I love accent colors, I think, because that helps give a um, 
it helps add visual appeal. Cause if now, if you're thinking, wait, I'm not allowed to, she's just telling me I'm not allowed to use these amazing things on Canva. Oh no, I have to use word. That's awful. But you can do a lot with word to help increase the visual appeal. And I'm not talking about aesthetic just for the sake of aesthetic. I'm talking about it's again, what, what's the word of the day? Strategic. Mm-hmm. I use like color. Highlighting. Yeah. I right. use color or shading to dictate, to not dictate, but to guide the eye where right. I want it to go. Yeah. I have some other thoughts, but I realize I've been talking a lot right now. So I want to stop and hear, <laughs> see what else, if you wanted to hear more, if you have other questions. Um, we are really pushing you past the time we said this would take because <laughs> you just know so much stuff. So I do want to wrap up. I cannot believe this is going to be free on the internet. I feel oh like we gosh. should be paying for this in some way. Um, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your plethora of experience and, and knowledge on this. You are welcome. It was and- a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. And also check out Heidi's blog and Heidi's website. It's uh, careerpathwritingsolutions.com. And she has blog posts after blog posts of all of these amazing tips and tricks. So if you have follow-up questions, please, please start looking there and there's more information out there. Heidi, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you? Ah, so my website has a contact form or people can email me at Heidi, H-E-I-D-I at careerpathwritingsolutions.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so interesting and, and a pleasure to chat with you this week. It was my pleasure and sorry to be the bearer of bad news about the controversial nature of PDFs. No, I love it. (laughs) I didn't think that that would be a controversy of mine this week, but now it is and let's dive in. Yeah, I need to go stare at the ceiling for a couple of hours and think about that. (laughs) All right, thanks, Heidi. Take care. You're welcome. The BME Grad Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For more information on the BME Grad Podcast, visit bme.unc.edu. Right now, you can find that information under the News and Events tab. If you can, please subscribe or follow and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.